Support for OPB comes from our members and from our sponsors, like Tracy Ray from the employment law firm of Baron Lehman. Tracy says that OPB sponsorship is a great way to support the community and connect with Baron Liebman's clients. This is Think Out Loud on OPB. I'm Dave Miller. After years of planning and decades of hoping, it is finally happening. The Klamath Dams are coming down. Over the last two weeks, the Iron Gate, J.C. Boyle, and Copco One Dams were all breached, and the reservoirs behind them are being drawn down. The dams still have to be fully removed, and there are decades of restoration work ahead, but it's a momentous time for everybody and everything in the Klamath Basin. Barry McCovey Jr. joins us now for an update. He is the Fisheries Department Director for the Yurok Tribe. Barry, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me. So this has been a really momentous month. I want to talk about what has already happened. We'll get to the, the future in a little bit. Can you tell us about the work at Iron Gate Dam on January 8th? Yeah, so um, the work actually started, you know, over the summer with, you know, the Klamath River Renewal Corporation and their contractor, Kiwit Construction, and and many others working on um, setting up all these dams so that they were ready to be breached uh, this this winter. So a lot of work went into it over the summer, um, drilling holes and and making making room for that water to come out, making sure things are safe, and so. Uh, a lot of work went into it over the over the past six months or so. On January 11th, I think it was was the day they they opened um, one of the lower outlet valves on the dam at, there at Iron Gate, so the water was allowed to kind of freely flow through the dam instead of around it or over it. It was flowing under the dam and effectively started the process of draining Iron Gate Reservoir down to a back to a river and it's the first time since the 1960s that um, the river has flowed freely through that area underneath of that dam so that was really exciting Uh, i I was lucky enough to be there that day what was going through your mind when it started happening you know there's kind of a a lot of different things it's it's excitement it's um, anticipation you know the tribal people and and river advocates have worked so hard on this over the past couple of decades. So there's a lot of emotions um, involved. Myself, personally, I'm really excited, but I'm also um, thinking about the future and and thinking about uh, all the work that's yet to come. And I'm also really excited about that. Hmm. So a a week after that, uh, there was a, a, in some ways, a visually more dramatic moment um, when um, there was a detonation at the bottom of the J.C. Boyle Dam, as opposed to just you know opening up uh, a gate. This was an explosion. Let's have a listen to what that sounded like. We're going to hear the blast and then the torrent of water that followed. So despite the, the that blast, I mean, I don't want to give listeners the impression that the entire dam was taken down. It, it was actually it was more controlled than that. I mean, just in terms of the drawdown, what's going to happen over the next few months? Yeah, like you said, you know, this is all very, very controlled. Um, engineers have been working on this for a long time. And so safety is, is of the, you know, the utmost importance on this project. And so all of these breaches the dams being breached are really really controlled operations um so 
Iron Gate um, is the largest dam and largest reservoir. And so that's been slowly draining out since the, you know, the gate was lifted on the 11th. And then the next one that we just talked about, J.C. Boyle, was breached with an explosion. So there was a, a tunnel that was drilled through most of the dam. And then the explosion opened the tunnel up the rest of the way. And J.C. Boyle Reservoir is the smallest of the three reservoirs. And that drained um, within a day or so. So that reservoir is already completely drained. And then, of course, yesterday yesterday um the last uh breach occurred when there was an explosion in a tunnel at copco one dam and that that opened up uh, copco reservoir to start being drained so that's happening right now as we speak so am i right that for the first time in well in how long is the river flowing more or less freely yeah, the river's connected again. You know, it's fully connected to the holes in those in the bottoms of those dams. Um, you know, there's still some reservoirs that need to be drained out over the next couple of months, but there, there's a connection there, and that connection hasn't been in place in over a hundred years. I think you know, Copco One was put in, um, you know, 1912 or 1913, right around in there, and so it's it's been a long time. And now, um, you know, there's a constant connected flow of water all the way through the the system the, and that's really really exciting it's an amazing amazing day hmm. if you're just tuning in we're talking right now with barry mccovey jr he is the director of the fisheries department for the yurok tribe let's talk about salmon where are we right now in late january in the salmon life cycle so right now, salmon, um, their eggs have been deposited, and, and it kind of depends on what species you're talking about, you know, coho or, or chinook, and then obviously what run their spring and, and fall chinook salmon. But in general, um, salmon eggs would have been deposited in the gravel in the in the months of um, October, November, and December. And now those, those eggs are developing in the gravel, and they're going to start emerging soon um, as as fry and then kind of starting their migration out to sea. So that's where we're at right now. Why was this time chosen um, for the, the these three dams to be breached? So a lot of thought went into the timing of, of when we should we should breach these these dams and um, you know it wasn't the first of the year January was chosen not just because it's it it's you know on the calendar makes sense but it makes sense um, ecologically too so those fish are are there's not a lot of fish in the river right now there's not a lot of adult fish um, there's not a lot of juveniles um, the the fish that are in the river are in the gravel so that's that's the time period well where researchers and scientists felt like we would see the least amount of impacts to to the fishery so that, that's why this time of year was chosen in addition to the fact that this is when we're going to see the most rain and that rain is going to help um, evacuate the sediment from the bottom of the reservoirs how much sediment are we talking about and and what's in it so there's a, there's a lot of sediment buildup. As you can imagine, um, Iron Gate has been there since the 60s, and J.C. Boyle um, has been there, you know, 50 or 60 years, and then Copco has been there for over 100 years. So over that time, a lot of sediment has been deposited behind those those dams and in those reservoirs, and then a lot has been created from algae decaying and dying and sinking to the bottom. So there's a lot of sediment back there, uh, but rivers are designed to carry sediment. That's what they do. Um, people have put a lot of thought into how to attenuate that sediment transport out of those those reservoirs um, and out into the ocean and, and down the river. So 
um, you know, we're planning on on how to how to help with that and and working really hard with with partners, whether it's the uh, Climate River Renewal Corporation or Resources Environmental Solutions on on restoration and, and helping with that sediment evacuation. And you were noting that the the recent rains they're actually they they're they're beneficial to make it more likely that that the sediment will be pushed downriver uh, to the ocean faster. Exactly. Exactly. The more the more rain we get, the better. Actually, this winter, it's going to help us evacuate as much of that sediment out and flush it out to sea and and down the river as possible. And so, um, we've had a pretty rainy January so far, and, and it looks like we're going to get some more rain. So that's good news. Hmm. How much are you and and everybody who's a part of this process actively? restoring the river system currently and, and going forward, as opposed to letting nature take its course? I mean, how do you figure out that balance? It's tough, but I think that's one of the most important things we can do is is build sideboards, um, not literal sideboards, but figuratively speaking. The, re- the restoration process should be one where we are building sideboards that are helping the river fix itself in, in this slow and controlled process, uh, letting nature take its course. Of course uh, as you said, um, rivers have been impacted before by large-scale sediment events, whether it's volcanic eruptions or landslides and things like that, especially in the Pacific Northwest, and they know how to heal themselves. And so uh, just like um, rivers have done for for millions and millions of years the klamath river has the ability to heal itself of course uh, there's timelines associated with that that uh, human humans are comfortable with and so we we can help the river um heal itself and that's what, what we're going to try to do uh, one thing that uh, we're immediately doing in partnership with resource environmental solutions is we're um, starting to replant and reseed the the reservoir footprints to kind of lock some of that sediment in place into, like I mentioned earlier, to attenuate the flow of that sediment into the river. The river can transport sediment, but it transports it at a certain rate. And so if we can help dictate the rate of sediment transfer by locking in some of it with vegetation, then that's what we're going to try to do. Has that already started, the, the planting? Yes. So as, as soon as the reservoir started to drop, we we had crews in there starting to to reseed those the, the reservoir footprints. And this is a project that's been going on for five years or so, collecting native seeds and propagating them at nurseries. And I think I think total in total the the project they've collected and, and propagated seventeen billion seeds or some crazy number like that. Huh. That's all all going to be um, de- deposited um, throughout the reservoir reach. What kinds of shrubs or trees are we talking about? I know there's, you know, there's oak trees and there's native vegetation, there's riparian vegetation, there's kind of a, everything that would you would naturally find growing along a river in that area is what we're trying to replant there. We don't we don't want um, we don't want it to be vegetated by invasive or exotic species that are going to cause harm to the ecosystem. So we work, we've worked really, really hard over the past few years to make sure that we're collecting native local seeds and that those are, what are going, what's going to be planted in the area. Hmm. As I've said, you're the fisheries department director for the Yurok tribe. And in the past, we've talked largely about salmon. Let's, let's turn back to them. Can you just remind us how recent returns, how those numbers have compared to historical numbers, to, to pre-dam numbers? So, you know, it's hard, it's hard to get really clear numbers from, you know, 
prior to 100 years ago when the first dam went in. But, you know, most scientists who've really studied this and looked at different aspects feel like we're probably around 10% of what the historic numbers were for salmon spawning in the Klamath River. And so we've had a 90% decrease. And um, that seems to have taken a turn uh, for the worse. If, if it could get any worse, it seems to have gotten worse over the past decade or so since we had, um, you know, a, a drought kind of take hold here in the West in 2014 or 2015, we've seen some pretty significant declines in returning um, salmon numbers. And so uh, this project, this dam removal project, the Salmon Habitat Restoration Project, the largest of its kind in the history of, of the world, I, I think, couldn't come at a better time. What are the estimates for what returns will be like in, say, 30 years? And I, I don't know if I should say estimates or hopes. Yeah, I mean, it's it's hopes right now because, like I like you mentioned earlier, and like I mentioned, this is this is the largest project of this type ever attempted, and so um, you know we believe and we've seen salmon recover on other rivers where dams have been re removed, and so we're confident that salmon will recover. Uh, you know how fast they'll recover. Uh, you know that's that's kind of up to them, and and it's up to the river, and it's it's up to us to try and help, but. You know, we're nobody really knows that answer. We we know that things will get better. Things things have to get better when you do this uh, do work that impacts an ecosystem of this magnitude. We know that the ecosystem will slowly start to heal itself, and then that will be passed along to the things that are reliant upon that ecosystem, like salmon, like lamprey, like green sturgeon, and, and everything that relies on the ecosystem, including you know the people of this basin. And so, time will tell, but um, we're we're very very confident that eventually we'll see large runs of salmon returning to to the upper Klamath Basin again. You know, we've talked a handful of times now. I don't think I've ever asked you. I hope you don't mind my asking how old you are. <laughs> I'm 45 years old, so I, I'm middle-aged. And okay. uh, I'm lucky because I, I have the opportunity. I, I feel like I'm, I might live long enough to be able to see the Klamath Basin um, restore itself. And and that's you know that's the most exciting part of all of this to me is is I'm gonna I get a chance to to watch that that basin and that river heal itself and uh, not only that but I'm lucky enough to be in a position where hopefully I can play a role in in helping the river heal itself. You know it's it's the opposite direction that that we're used to talking about in so many ways. So often it's, you know, older people saying to their kids or their grandkids, oh, when I was when I was younger, the world was better in this way. Obviously, some things have gotten better in terms of scientific advances and medical advances, but rarely ecologically do we say that. Your hope is that you can actually say that. Yeah, and I'm confident we will, and I'm confident that I'll be able to you know, and I can tell my kids now like look, things are going to be better when you're my age. Um, and that's something, like you said, that's pretty rare. And there's not a lot of opportunities for people to do that today. Barry McCovey, Jr., I look forward to talking again. Thanks very much. Thanks for having me. Barry McCovey, Jr. is a fisheries department director for the Yurok tribe.